We sang a song here a little bit ago. I'm a child of God. I am who he says I am. Who does he say you are? Good things. What is it? What's some specifics? What's he say? What's that? What's that? You're a child of him. More than a conqueror. I like that. What's that? What's he say you are? If you haven't thought much about that, spend some time on that this week. Because you are who he says you are. Thank you. (laughs) That was driving me nuts. I don't know about you. Now, the first Sunday of 2019, a new year, and I would suspect that there have been a, a whole pile of New Year's resolutions made this past week, and if truth be known, there's probably been a pile of New Year's resolutions broken in the past week, <laughs> Right? Now, we, you and I, have probably verbally or silently, publicly or privately resolved to do something different this year than we did last year. And and some will finally decide to, to, to give up that demon tobacco, right? Well, that's been talked about in the church for years and years. Others, and myself included, have decided to battle with a more acceptable vice. <clears throat> That's food. Yeah, I know. Have you ever noticed that the, uh, the arguments that are used by the church, by Christians through the years, uh, against smoking and drinking and all those kinds of things, you know, they're addictive and, and they're not good for the temple, they harm the temple of the Holy Spirit, which is our body, and... and <laughs> Those points of arguments, you know, for some reason, they, in, in our thinking, they don't seem to, to hold water for gluttony. Interesting, isn't it? Wow. Preacher, brother. I know I'm meddling here real quick. You say, Pastor Eric, the reason I'm overweight is that I have a glandular problem. Me too, if you consider the mouth a gland. Actually, I decided a long time ago that I'm not overweight, I'm under tall. So my New Year's resolution is to get taller in 2019. Is it working yet? <laughs> so what are your resolutions for 2019? Are they, are they big? Are they little? Are they practical? Are they impractical? What have you decided to change about your life in the next 12 months? And, and don't wait for December. But anyway, what have, what have you decided there? On, on December 31st of this, of this year, 2019, will you be the same person you are now? A better person? Or a worse person? Will you have won a victory over some area of your life, or will you have gone down in defeat? I want to go on record right now as saying, I believe... You can do it. Come on. And I know that you're sitting there thinking, but, but Eric, you don't even know what I'm struggling with. That's right, I don't. 
But what I do know is I know my God. And I know that he can give you victory. Amen. <laughs> do you believe that? Yeah. Do you really believe that? Do you believe that you are a partner in faith with the almighty God? To me, the whole, the, the whole Bible is in the first few words. In the beginning, God. That's it. If we would get that, wouldn't need the rest. The rest is all just us trying to figure it out. Remember what Gabriel told Mary in Luke 137? For nothing is impossible with God. And if nothing is impossible with God, then all things are possible with God. All right. Isaiah 43, 18 and 19. The writer says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Oh, wait a minute. This sounds like God talking. I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do not perceive it. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. People where we are at as a congregation, those are some wonderful prophetic words for us. There's a new thing. It's going to look different probably in just a month or so. But there's a new thing. But God's doing it. It springs up. It's making a way in the wilderness and, and streams in the wasteland. How many of you here this morning will like to have a, a fresh start in your Christian walk? I see a lot of nodding heads. Many of us here this morning have been, we've made some mistakes along the way. In our lives as Christians, we've made some mistakes, people. We have experienced setbacks and failures throughout our lives. And sometimes we allow these mistakes, these setbacks and failures to enslave us to the point that we never enjoy the full Christian life that God has given us to enjoy. And we're always wanting more. Always wanting, yeah, well, man, I want some more. Last part of verse 10 of John chapter 10, Jesus said, I have come that they, he's talking about you and me. I've come that they may have life and that they, you and me, may have it more abundantly. In this same verse, he tells us that there is an adversary, a, a thief that seeks to steal, kill, and destroy. All right. Satan is the adversary. I think most any of our kids in children's ministry would tell us that. They know that. So I hope you do too. And one of the things he's really good at doing is he will remind us of our past in order to keep us from enjoying the life that God gave us to live. 
You don't sound like you believe that. He's good at telling you and holding you to the past so that you don't enjoy what God has out ahead, what you're supposed to be doing, how you're supposed to be living. Satan doesn't want you or, or me to have a fresh start in life. He, he wants us to kind of be held back by, by the, the, the things that we failed in. And the, but the good news is, people, God says, I want you to have a fresh start in life. I want you to have a new beginning. I want you to, to do something new in your life. Aren't you glad that God wants you to do something new in your life? It <laughs> doesn't excite you to know that God desires to give you a fresh start, a, a new beginning in life. Uh, what all of us here need this morning is a fresh start. Yeah. A new beginning with God. I have no doubt that, that sometime during the past year, at least some of us said, I, I'm going to grow. I want, I, I'm going to grow in my relationship with God. I'm going to pray more, read my Bible more, get more involved in my church. I, I'm going to spend more quality time with my family. The list could go on. The fact is, even with the best of intentions, all of us here have made some stumbling mistakes along the way. Or we made some bad decisions that hindered us from doing those things that we wanted to do. And it was with good intent. This morning, there's good news according to Isaiah 43. Forget about what's happened. Do not think about the past. Instead, look at the new things I'm going to do. Woohoo! Yeah, they're settling in. I, man, this, this is shouting all the way through. It's, anyway. <laughs> Listen to what God is saying in this verse. Forget about what happened before. Forget about the past. Don't hold on to it. Don't, don't, don't let it drag you down. He says don't think about it. Don't, don't, don't spend time dreading and pondering and, and focusing in on it. It's over. That book, that part of it has been closed. And we need to understand that God is far more interested in our future than he is in our past. Yep. How many of us get stuck thinking that, that God is stuck on our past? That all he wants to do is remind us of the things that, that we have done wrong. Oh, God. Oh, yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. Oh, yeah, that, that wasn't good. But that's not the conversation God is having. That's not the conversation he wants to have. Yeah. We, we, for some reason, we get the thinking that all he wants to do is remind us of the things that we've done wrong. God is more interested in your future than he is in your past. After all, that's where we're going to spend the rest of our lives. He says, forget about your past. Forget about the former things. Don't think about it. Don't, 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 don't hang up back here, but look at the new thing I'm going to do. Yes. 
Israel was being punished. That's, that's where this text comes from. Israel was being punished for their sins, for their, their rebellion against God. And let me tell you, they were pretty good at being rebellious and not following God. Over and over and over. And yet God wanted to give them hope. He wanted to give them encouragement to his people. He says, you know, I, I know that you're being punished, but I'm going to do a new thing. So to so look towards that. He wanted them to know that even though they were being punished, they were not forsaken. That's an old word that we use in the church, isn't it? Forsaken simply means being abandoned or deserted. We're not like those people on that three-hour tour out on the island, right? We're not deserted. God wanted his people to understand that the punishment they were experiencing would not be the end of them. You may go through a dry spell. You may go through some difficulties, but that's not the end. The fact is, God wanted to give them a fresh start, a new beginning in life. Now, Israel, no doubt, was discouraged because they, they thought that this was the end of them. And after looking back at their history, you can kind of understand why they'd feel like, well, okay, we blew it again. And you can understand where they'd feel, we've gone too far. We've sinned and rebelled against God to the point that he's no longer going to be our God. He's no longer going to bless us and protect us and take care of us. And maybe they thought God won't deliver us again. It's over. Yeah. <laughs> It's easy for us. We, we got the Bible. We can read back through their story. And, and they were very good at, at going back through their, their story, through their history. And, and so they could remember when they were trapped by the Red Sea and nowhere to go and, and how God made a way for them. They could remember when the enemy was about to overtake them and how he provided protection for them. They could remember the former things. What they couldn't see was the future. They were so busy looking at the past, so busy looking at, okay, God saved us here. We know he's capable. It's not that. We don't question that. God's capable, but dang, we just kept on doing it and doing it, and we finally worn out our welcome. He's not going to want to do it. That's what's spinning in their heads. And God's trying to challenge that, and he's trying to say, wait a minute. Forget about the past. I'm going to do a new thing. You see, because they had failed God, once again, I believe they couldn't or they wouldn't look ahead to the future. And people, there's some of us here this morning that are struggling with that same thing. But that's why God said, I'm going to do something new. Maybe that's where you are this morning. You feel that you've made so many mistakes, that you've, you've failed God so many times, and, and you've sinned all the way. You know, God, you, 
you sent Jesus and you saved me and you sent the Spirit and filled me, and, but I just keep on blowing it and you just, you're going to take it all away. You think that God doesn't want anything to do with you. You feel and believe that you have no future with God. The good news is God is saying it's not over. Have I said that enough yet? It's not over. I have plans for your life. I'm about to do something new for you. Okay, let's make it a little more personal. Look at your neighbor, somebody close. Look at them and say, put it away. God wants something new for you. This morning I'm going to share, you got the, the insert to the bulletin with fill in the blanks, and we're going we're gonna to take a look at this morning of how to make a fresh start. And, and I want to share with you a formula, and I understand a formula is only as good as the Holy Spirit's leading in it. Amen? All right, so I understand that. But it's a, a formula for starting over. And, and I'm going to use the acronym S-T-A-R-T, and, and I hope you'll remember, that'll help you remember so that when you're struggling, I also hope it will help you remember as well so you can pass it along to friends when they have struggles and they have failures. Regardless of what kind of failure you have had in the past, may have been financial, may have been relational, may have been failure in your marriage, it could have been a moral failure, it could have been straight up rebellion against God without and out disobedience. You may have really blown it. May have been made decisions you're so ashamed of and you hope nobody ever finds out about. I'm sorry, God already knows about them. <laughs> Regardless of the failure you've had in your life, here's some encouragement, some tools to assist you so you can start over. And so S-T-A-R-T, start. The first one is stop. <laughs> Yeah, I like it. Stop making excuses. You see, I, I get the humor in the first one for start is to stop. But to start, you must stop. If I want a fresh start in life, I have to stop making excuses for my failures. I've got to stop blaming other people. I've got to stop seeing myself as the victim of my circumstances. Uh, I'm meddling, I know. That's why I only preach once in a while. I get the freedom to just step on out there. I agree. Other people can hurt us. Other people can harm us. Other people can scar us. But the only person that can ruin your life is you. Nobody can ruin your life without your permission. You have a choice, and that is you can choose how you're going to respond to the attacks, to the hurts, to the pain that comes your way. The Bible says that the starting point is to be honest and accept responsibility for my part in the problem. Proverbs 28, 13, he who covers his sins will not prosper. In other words, don't hide them. 
Step up to them, face them, accept your responsibility in them, and then you can deal with it. It goes on and says, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. <sighs> it's, it's saying a man who refuses to admit his mistakes can never be successful. But if he confesses and forsakes them, he gets another chance. Yeah. And that's what we all want, right? He gets a fresh start. The, the writer of the scripture says that the, the starting point to starting over is to be honest and face up to the problem. And, and, and most of the problems in my life, most of the failures in my life are my fault. I hear a few of you going, amen. Some of you are going, he's really mad, right? It's hard to get people to admit when they're wrong. In the job I do, I deal with people all the time. I go, well, they don't do it that way. Well, what's wrong with this? I asked all my neighbors. They thought it was okay. Well, obviously not. Somebody called and complained to me. I'm a code enforcement officer with the city, for anybody that doesn't know. Which means I go confront people on stuff they've got wrong on their property. Whew. Not my fault. People don't like to admit, I made a mistake, I blew it. God says that if we admit the mistake, if we admit our failures, if we admit our sin, then we get another chance in life. Would you like to hear what I believe the greatest causes for failure are? Probably not. <laughs> I'm going to tell you anyway. Good. Your three greatest causes, and this is on your one, two, three on your, your blanks there. Number one, we don't accept our own responsibility. The number one reason we fail in life is that we, we don't prepare ourselves for the problems that we're going to face in life. The Proverbs 27, 12 says, A sensible man watches for problems and prepares to meet them, but the fool never looks ahead and suffers the consequences. Now, wait a minute. If it keeps on coming up problems, then who's the fool? Ouch, I know. Was it raining when Noah started building the ark? No. But he knew that he had to prepare for the coming flood. In fact, the rain didn't come for like, and they debate on this, whether it's 100, 120 years. 100, 100 years? He was building that ark for over 100 years? I can understand everybody in the neighborhood going like, hey, code enforcement, I don't like that boat in his yard. <laughs> Tell him to get rid of it. Wow. But people, that's how long it took for the boat, the ark, to be built. When rain was started, good thing. Earth would have been flooded how many times over by the time we got it built? Number two, because we don't listen to others. We don't listen to good advice when it's offered. The Bible says in Proverbs 15.22, plans fail without good advice. Some people would say, you need to get all the advice you can. I disagree with that. Thank you. 
Get advice, but get good advice from people that you know you can trust. Godly people. People who are following Christ and you see God in their life. How many times I've had people come and say, oh, Eric, hey, can you give me some advice? Like, yeah. Well, I'm going to go talk to three of these. And I'm, they tell me who, and I'm like, oh, ouch. Mm, I'm sorry. I know you're going to get bad advice, but I can't step in and just slap you upside the head. I want to, Doug. <laughs> yeah. So why don't people listen to the advice of other people? It's because they think they don't need to. It's called pride or ego. <laughs> I found this. this. This is fun. You know what ego stands for? Edging God out. Ooh. Yeah, I liked it. I put it in the sermon. So. <laughs> when a person thinks they know more than God, they push him out of their life. How's that work for you? They're on an ego trip, and, and that trip leads to a dead end. Bible says, Proverbs 16, 18, pride leads to destruction. Comes before a fall. An arrogant attitude leads to a fall. When I, when I think I know it all and I can figure it all out myself, I'm, I'm setting myself up for failure and so are you. If I don't listen to the advice of others, if I don't listen to the advice of my wife, thank you, Teresa, my boss, because <laughs> if I don't listen to that, ooh, things come back and bite you. If you're married, if you're a, a woman, your husband, your pastor, other people around you, if, if I think I can do it my way, people, I'm never going to get anywhere. If I've, if I've already arrived, I'm not going to get anywhere. And if I think I already know it all and have it all together, I think I've already arrived. person that gets too big for their britches will eventually be exposed in the end. I'm glad some of you got that. That's the problem with pride. We fail to prepare. We fail to listen to other people. And we fail as a result. Number three, we give up too soon. We give up too soon. We give up too soon. You guys are busy writing. I want to make sure you understand that. Proverbs 24.10, if you give up when trouble come, troubles come, it just shows that you are weak. I know what it's like to face some difficult problems, some difficult decisions, and, and have to just grab a hold of the old thing of grabbing the bootstraps and getting to it with the Holy Spirit. I know what it's like. I know there's, there's been difficult things that we have had to struggle through. But do it. Don't give up. 
Because if God's in the equation, is it going to come out the way God wants it? Uh. But people, failure is the path of least resistance. The problem is that often during trying times, we stop trying. We give up. If first you don't succeed, welcome to the human race. If at first you don't succeed, you're normal. Very few people make it on the first try. Very few people. Oftentimes we give up when, when success is just around the corner. And, and you, you're never a failure until you give up. Sometimes we give up too soon. It's always too soon to quit. The Bible says we need to stop making excuses, admit when it's our fault, and get on with life. I, I've discovered that people who are very good at making excuses are rarely good at anything else. They spend all their energy thinking up reasons, at least it seems that way, thinking up reasons why they can't do what they're supposed to do. You've met some of those people. You've dealt with some of those people. We all have. So S is start, it stands for stop making excuses. T, take an inventory of my life. And I put my in there intentionally because you're writing it down. And I want you to understand this is you. Taking an inventory of my life. I need to take an inventory of my life. That means I, I need to evaluate all of my experiences. Okay, wait a minute. You just said forget what's back there behind this. Well, you need to evaluate it, not hang on to it, not dwell on it. I need to take a look at what I have left after a failure. I need to take an inventory of my life's experiences. I need to learn from them. Galatians 3, 4, if you have experienced many, you have experienced many things. Were all those experiences wasted? I hope not. The Living Bible puts it this way. You have suffered so much for the gospel. Now are you going to throw it all overboard? I can hardly believe it. Learn from your mistakes. Failure can be your friend or your foe. You determine if failure will be your friend or foe by the way you react to it. You can choose to learn from it or choose to repeat it. Eey, we don't like that repetition stuff, do we? If you learn from it, then it can be your friend. However, if you don't learn from it, it's going to be your foe. Four kinds of experiences I believe that God uses to shape our lives. Number one, he uses personal experiences. The family that you grew up in, the people you relate to, God can use your personal experiences with your husband, your wife. He uses personal experiences to shape who you are. Thank you, God. He also, number two, he uses vocational and educational experiences to shape you. Teresa, was I as direct before I went to work for the police department and then code enforcement? No. 
God's used that to shape me, to change some things in me. Three, he uses spiritual experiences to shape you, like, like coming to church and, and, or, or, or going on a retreat or, or reading your Bible or having that quiet time with him. He uses those spiritual experiences to shape you. He also uses, number four, he uses painful experiences to shape you. Those are the ones we don't want, but he uses them. So as long as he's using them, thank you, Lord, for that painful experience. And as you take inventory of your life in starting over, you need to ask yourself at least three questions. Number one, what have I learned? I I know people who are 40, 50 years old, et cetera, as I'm in that et cetera. Um, But they don't have 40 or 50 years of experience. They don't, they've, they've had the, the same year of experience over and over and over, and it appears they've never learned anything from the experience that they had. They, they, what have you learned from your past experience? If you don't sit down, think through, you're going to end up operating, repeating the same mistake over and over because you didn't learn from it the first time or the fifth time or the 25th time. Question number two, what are my assets? What have I got going for me? Have have I got my health? Have I got my freedom? Am I I still mentally sound? My wife debates that with me from time to time. Have I got some friends? Less after preaching this morning, but no. (laughs) Have I got relationship with the Lord? Have I got a church family? What do I have that, I can, can, that can help me in getting that fresh start? What are my assets? Number three, who can help me? When we need a fresh start, we need somebody by our side. We need a friend. We need an accountability partner. We need a support person or a support group. We need to find someone that can help us. You need other people because you don't start over by yourself. It doesn't work. You need somebody else to walk along with you. There's, There's one that we can count on that's going to be there walking along with us, and that's Jesus. Jesus is going to be there. I believe Jesus also chooses to use people with skin on in our lives to help us through those things. Jesus is going to help us pull our lives together and make sure that we get started on the right foot. Let's jump ahead to A. Act in faith. That's the third step. S-T-A. This is a, it's, act in faith. It's third step in getting a fresh start. Act in faith. You have to launch out into new territory. And the Bible says that the key to changing anything is faith. If you want to change your circumstances, it takes faith. If you want to change bad quirks in your personality, it takes faith. If you want to change anything in your life, you have to have some faith. Maybe a mustard seed. I'm glad for that verse. (laughs) Because sometimes that's all I got for that day. 
Jesus says it in Matthew 9, 29. According to your faith, it will be done to you. Oh, wait a minute. (laughs) According to your faith, it will be done to you. In other words, if I don't have faith, what's going to happen? None. (laughs) A very simple statement. Powerful. It means we, we... we tend to get out of life what we expect in faith. According to your faith, it will be done to you. What are you expecting in life? Are things going to be better or worse? Oh, you've met those people. Oh, Pastor, it's going to be a rough year. This has happened. Our house burnt down. Oh, the whole neighborhood's gone. I'm glad you didn't take that approach. Thank you. (laughs) Or are you going to be the same? Life's okay. I'm cool with it. I'll just keep on floating along here. If you act in faith, I believe you will do something positive. I think you will do something grand to ensure that you don't repeat the same mistakes over. Because who's kicking you along if you're doing it in faith? Thank you, God. The faith I'm talking about is not a dead, and and thank you for clarifying that song this morning because I was sitting back here going like, I'm not just sitting here waiting for God. I'm not just sitting here waiting. It needs to be active. I'm not talking about a a dead faith, a a no action, just sit here and, and, and wait for things to change kind of faith. It's an affirmative faith that takes positive action with the help of God to change your life. Acts 3, 1 through 5. Now Peter and John went up to, together to the temple at the, the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, with a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful. I wish we had a gate that was called Beautiful in town. To ask alms from those who entered the temple who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter says, look at us. So we gave him, so he gave him his attention, expecting to receive something from him. He responded in faith. All he could do is look, but he responded. He wasn't just going to sit there and say, alms for the poor, alms for the poor, and wait for this person over here to give it. He looked at him, expecting. You see, this man asked for something, he expected to get it. But reality, he got more than he expected, didn't he? Woohoo! Thank you, Lord, healing that day. The point I want to make is this that this lame man acted in faith and he was greatly rewarded. He was asking for alms. He was just asking for some money so he could get his next meal. And and yet God, through Peter and John, said, no, I'm going to do something grand in your life because you ask in faith. Many times we ask for something, we expect to get nothing. I got real good at that back in my home of origin for Christmas gifts. (laughs) I'd ask for the big stuff. I got real used to not getting it. Sad, I know. That's for, I, I, here's one. 
This was stuck in me for a long time. I had to deal with being offended at my mom and dad. <laughs> I'd get over that. I'd ask for a cassette recorder. Some of, some of you young ones are going like, what the heck's that? <clears throat> I had asked for a cassette recorder, and I'm thinking those little doobers with the flip lid and the cassette size. And when they were out shopping, they found some little toy recorder thing with some little 30-second recorder item in it that wasn't going to play any of the cassettes. They tried. And I had to, you know, they tried. But as a kid, I'm going, yeah! Thanks, Mom, Dad. <laughs> I hate this thing. In order to start acting in faith, it means that we've got to stop having a pity party. You've got to stop feeling sorry for yourself. Poor me, I'm such a victim. Life is unfair. Of course, life is unfair. Anybody not tell you that yet? Whoever said that it was fair, God never said that. It's not in the Bible. It's, this is a world filled with sin, and because of that, life is unfair, but you have to go on with life anyway. And you need to stop having the pity party, stop rehearsing the past. You need to, regretting the past, getting on with the present. You need to get into that future that God has for you. The more time we spend regretting our past, the more time, more of our future, it, it's just wasted. It's just wasted. The more time you spend thinking, I wish I had uh, to do over again. I wish you could turn back the clock and redo history and... And what we're doing is we're rehearsing and we're regretting. And you're not only making yourself miserable right now, you're, you're setting yourself up that you're going to continue to be miserable because that's what you're going to keep on getting and keep on experiencing. You see, the way you set yourself up for more failure is by focusing on the past failures. Whatever you focus on, your, what you focus on, you tend to reproduce in your life. According to your faith, it will be done unto you. What you need to do is, is learn from the failures. Let me give you the real secret of success. Uh, I, I'm told that every successful entrepreneur knows this. I don't know if they do or not. Real success is built on failure. Failure is the way you become a success. You figure out what doesn't work. How many times did Edison try to make a light bulb that stayed lit? Hundred, at least. 199, maybe. But when he figured out on the 200 or so time what would make a light bulb stay lit, he did it because he knew 199 ways that it wouldn't work. Don't call it a failure in your life. Call it an education. You learn from past failures and mistakes and you act in faith for the future. Some people will never act in faith because they've been paralyzed by the fear of past failures and, and mistakes. And what we need to do is learn from the past. Act in faith for the future and look to God for guidance. Now, how do you get rid of fear of failure? Faith. It's that simple. 
That's why the third step in starting over is act in faith. Faith is not so much the absence of fear it is, as it is the, the moving ahead in spite of your fear. There's a lot of times as I'm moving forward in life, I go with fear in my heart, but I do it in spite of the fear. I don't stop because of the fear. Sometimes faith is doing the thing you fear the most. Hmm. Stop worrying about what others say or think. Proverbs 29, 25. Being afraid of people can get you into trouble. Hmm. Living Bible puts it this way. Fear of man is a dangerous trap, but to trust in God means safety. Yeah. yeah. Okay, R. We're up to R. Focus. Refocus. I need to refocus my thoughts if I want to change my life. If I want to get going again, if I want a fresh start, I need to rethink the way I think. I need to change my mind about a number of issues. And people remember, I said, this is through the Spirit. You're not going to do this one on your own. You can try. Proverbs 4.23, be careful how you think. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. You see, the way you think determines the way you feel, and the way you feel determines the way you act. And if you want to change your actions, change the way you think. And it will inevitably change the way you act. If, if you are depressed, discouraged, and distressing, it may be because you're thinking depressing, discouraging, distressing thoughts. You need to clean that out. And people when you still have all that going on in there, that's your choice. You don't have to think those thoughts. If you're acting in fearful, worried ways, it's because you're thinking fearful, worried thoughts. Romans 12, 2, be transformed by the renewing of what? Your mind, the thoughts. If I have to refocus my thoughts to start over to get a fresh start, that means I have to stop thinking some old patterns. Which memories are you still rehearsing that keep you from getting a fresh start in life? The Bible says let go. Let go of those things. The more you hold on to that memory, the more you rehearse it, it continues to hurt you today. It cannot hurt you without your permission. You have to change your mind and let go and get rid of those painful, hurtful memories of shame and guilt and other things. How do, you, how do I do that, Eric? Give me the help. First is confession. You say, <laughs> I've confessed to God, but I still feel guilty. How do I get rid of this painful memory? May I suggest not by resisting it, but by replacing it. Because I know there are pains and scars in our life that they want to attach and they want to hang on. 
And if I just try to resist it, it's going to stay there in my brain. I need to replace it. Don't just keep saying, I'm not going to think about it. I'm not going to think about it. I'm not going to think about it. I'm not going to. What are you doing? You're thinking about it, right? Stop focusing on what you, you, you don't want and start focusing on what you do want. Get your attention onto something else. Refocus. Replace those memories by, by, by every time they come up, start thinking about something else. Focus on something else. What's the best thing to think on? God's word. Who does he say you are? Think on it. Psalm 1. Happy are those who always are always meditating on God's word. They're like trees along a river that do not dry up. They succeed in everything they do. Don't you want to be like that tree and succeed in everything you do? Yeah. And it's those two things. It's, it's, it's confession and focusing in on something different. It's those things that, that everybody... Well, wait a minute. Happy are those who are always meditating on God's word. They're like trees along a river that do not dry up. They succeed in every... Okay, those two things. Happy and succeed. Those two things everybody wants in life, don't they? You want to be happy? Anybody say no? You want to be successful? Anybody say no? Okay. Everybody wants those. And the antidote, the, the answer, the way to get those is the phrase that's between them in that verse, meditating on God's word. If I want to be happy, if I want to be successful, I need to meditate on God's word. That's the way to obtain the two things that we desire. The more you meditate on God's word, the happier, more successful you're going to be in your Christian life. It's a promise from God. Thank you, God, for your promises. And in faith, I believe that those promises are for me. Meditating on God's word simply means rehearsing God's word over and over in your minds. Think on it. Spend some time. Ponder it. What's it mean? It's interesting that the Bible doesn't say, if you read this book, you'll be happy and successful. But pastor, you've just asked us to read the Bible through. and Won't that make me happy and successful? Not just reading it. Hmm. It doesn't say to, to, to listen to this book through, like through a sermon or, or even you used to be able to get the Bible on cassette tape. <laughs> I couldn't listen to it. <laughs> oh, I know I'm old. <laughs> it says if you meditate on it, you will be happy and successful. In meditating, it means to, I I think on it over and over, and what it means in my life. What does it it mean for the world around me? What does it mean for my family? What does it it mean for my job? Well, wait a minute. I'm meddling and taking spiritual stuff, Bible stuff into my job. Yes, I am. I need to, so do you. 
I consider it, and I consider its implications for my life. And as we fill our mind with God's word, it begins to what? It begins to change our minds. It renews it. We stop seeing ourselves and other people as they see us or, or as we have seen ourselves before. And we begin to see ourselves as God sees us. I am who he says I am. That's where the change takes place. Meditating on God's word gives us the power to start over. Last T, trust. Trust God. Trust God to help us succeed. Depend on him. We, we don't need to depend on ourselves. I know. In, in our world, we have all those self-help things out there that are you know, based on us helping ourselves. Let's let God help us, please. Let's depend on him. Let's trust in him. You see, we don't need to depend on ourselves. We've already proven that we can't get it right. That's why we failed. Some people don't get that. They they stumble and fall, and then they get up, and they say, oh, I'll just try a little harder. (laughs) It's like you go up to a wall and bang your head against it, and the wall doesn't fall down. You try again, bang, bang, bang. Guess what? All you're going to get is a headache. You keep thinking, doing it, thinking, you know, if I keep on trying, maybe it'll fall over this time. You know, that's the definition of insanity. Doing the same thing over and over and while expecting different results. If we keep doing the same thing, then we will keep getting the same result. We can't change who we are. Only God can do that. I'm not speaking about the outward, you know, here I'm going to change a a simple habit of mine, whether I drive this way to work or that way to work, I can change that. But I'm talking about the inner man. God needs to change that. The real person is the hidden person of our hearts. And that's what really needs change. If we're going to be talking about change, if we really want a new beginning, that's what needs changed. Not how much I eat or don't eat. It's the inner person that needs changed. Simply giving God control of my life. That's how I'm going to get success in this thing. Success in the Christian life isn't trying hard. It's living smarter. Zechariah 4.6, you will not succeed by your own strength or power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Thank you, Lord. (laughs) Smarter than I am. When someone becomes a Christian, they become a brand new person. Remember those days for those of you who have been at it for a while? Remember that change? Brand new person. Not the same anymore. New life has begun. God specializes in new beginnings. Yeah, Jesus Christ has the power to do this. And he has the power to do a new thing, even in those of us who have been at it for a while. 
We have to get a fresh start with a new life as we begin this new year. God says, I I don't want you to just turn over a new leaf. I'm going to give you a whole new life. Do you believe that? Do you want that? All right. We've just talked through a formula of things that can help you with that. Question, will you have a fresh start in life? Will you have a new beginning? It's your choice. It's your choice. You see, that Bible over there and all the magic words and awesome thoughts and things that can change me, it's over there. I'm over here. It's not going to just jump over here and change me, is it? It's my choice as to whether I open that up and I read it and I ponder it and I I meditate on it and I, I let it do its thing through the Holy Spirit. How can I have a fresh start? Stop making excuses. Take an inventory of your life. Act in faith. Refocus your thoughts and trust God. Heavenly Father, thank you that it's you that is offering a new beginning to us. And Father, that new beginning is offered to us each and every day. Father, today is a day that we are challenged and looking forward and we want to claim that new beginning. We want to live that new beginning, that fresh start, that that newness that you have for us. And Father, as we apply these principles, as we spend time not making excuses, but really refocusing and and really spend time meditating and and trusting you and, and living in faith, Father, it's through those things that our lives are going to be new. Help us. May your Holy Spirit, Father, we, we give the Holy Spirit freedom to kick us in the shorts every now and then and say, you said you wanted this, now get to it. Help us, Father. Bless us. Encourage us. Strengthen us. Change us. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.